Welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast, episode 802. As we move forward, guys, I can't thank you enough for tuning into these podcasts, listening, sharing, making story posts, sending me DMs, emails. Uh, for those of you who actually have my my uh, my phone number, I get some texts here and there uh, from people enjoying the podcast. That stuff makes my day. That stuff absolutely makes me want to keep pushing and uh, create more content, get more interviews, and get even more creative with the way we can uh, build this up even more and more. Uh, I hope you'll enjoy this podcast. This was a really, really interesting interview that I had with uh, Tony um, from Pasha Racing. Really, really cool guy. He was awesome to chat with. He's so interesting. He's been around it for a long period of time. And anytime that I get a chance to talk to somebody who's been around the sport for a long time and has seen the progression of it, I love to pick their brain as to see like sort of where things were and where they are now. Of course, being from uh, Southern California or from California in general, um, Tony really has a really unique perspective, uh, a whole lot more than myself given the fact that I didn't really come to Moto until about the year 1999 um, and uh, and didn't really have a real good grasp on how things worked until uh, the mid-2000s when I was uh, just getting out of high school. So um, I really hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you enjoy it, if you think that somebody else that you know would enjoy the podcast, I encourage you to share it with them. That's the, the small fee that we charge for the podcast. Um, and also, if you could leave a review on either iTunes or uh, Spotify. Those help us out big time, get more people to uh, to be suggesting it to them, and uh, that'd be fantastic. I know some of you have made story posts. I really appreciate when you do. That spreads the word. That gets more people listening, and, and it works. I swear. I get people who will DM me one week because they heard it on somebody else's story or they saw a story post. So uh, for those who have been doing that, that's awesome, and I really appreciate it, and I hope that you continue to do that. Um, so enjoy this podcast and um, so support our sponsors, Alpine Stars MX, Fox Racing, uh, as well as we've got uh, tear-off gaskets on board as well, and uh, Phoenix Handlebars. Those guys are awesome, and we're working on even more. Tony Pantera on the Big MX Radio Podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it, and as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars, as well as Alpine Stars MX, Fox Racing, and maybe one day by Pasha Racing as well. But I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got Tony from Pasha Racing. Tony, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, guys? Nice to, nice to talk with you. Hey, it's great to have you on. Anytime we can get somebody on the, the podcast that's an integral member of the motocross community in the mecca of motocross, where it all goes down in Southern California, it's uh, it's a pleasure of mine, and uh, I'm pumped to have you on the show. Thank you, man. Welcome. Pleasure of mine, too. Awesome. So this past weekend, uh, the 125 uh, race that you, you've put on a ton of, of races in the past, you promote them, you, you, you execute these races, you give people events to go to, make money, as well as, uh, as continue to con keep connecting with the, the community and have so much fun. Uh, for those who, who aren't familiar with, uh, with yourself as Pasha Racing, give us the full rundown from, uh, from where this all started to where we're at right now. Okay, uh, Pasha Racing, I mean, my name's Pasha, so it's Tony Pasha Pantera, that's my middle name, so I use that because it's a unique name. Okay. Um, it started actually a long time ago, even before motocross. Um, of course, I started riding dirt bikes uh, as a child, uh, but I used the word, uh, the name Pasha Racing back in the day when I had an automotive racing company and business for off-road racing. So the, 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 the posture racing came from off-road racing, uh, which is basically like uh, four-wheel drives, monster trucks, stuff like that. And then, um, and then uh, I used the name in my motocross as a business. I, I brought it into the motocross world, and, uh, and then it just took off from there. But uh, originally it started from off-road truck racing. Okay, fair enough. So, so are you born and raised in California? Yeah, Northern California. I'm from a small town north of California in the wine country called Petaluma. Okay. Um, it is it is a little uh, little tiny redneck kind of town you want to call it. Well, not anymore right now, but back in the 70s it was. 
Now it's just a full-fledged Northern California city, but we lived on a 160-acre ranch. Uh, my dad was a rancher, and we had this big property, and I had a track out there, and we rode, uh, back in the day, it was 1979, uh, 125, 1980, 125, 81, 125, before I went to 250, and then a 500. But uh, So we did a lot of off-road riding on this 160-acre uh, property, and that's how the whole dirt bike thing started. So uh, we also had an off-road uh, uh, for the for the truck track too for the four-wheel drives we had hill climbs and mud bogs and stuff like that so I was always involved in off-road um, off-roading in general um, and at one time my uh, monster truck history caught up with me over here in Los Angeles they found me again and um, I held a race at the uh, um, Los Angeles Sports Arena, downtown Los Angeles, where um, you remember, Brad, when they when we're here in America, where they had Supercross, and then the following weekend they had Monster Trucks, and then the following weekend they had Supercross again. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember? Uh, it? Yeah. yeah, of course. They would so, they would rent so, out the stadium yeah. for the whole whole month. Right. So that's what I was involved in. I held a race at the uh, uh, Los Angeles Sports Arena with the help of Jack Barber Kobe, who ran CRC, a local uh, racing community here in L.A. Uh, he, he let me have his people and supported it. So we had a race in uh, um, Sports Arena mixed in with the monster trucks. That was a really, really fun weekend. It was a three-day three, three, uh, three day event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in front of a big crowd. And so we've been promoting and racing off-road and motocross you know, for the longer part of my life. But now I have really um, narrowed it down to a specific motocross community and a specific event to where uh, you can actually start making money racing like we used to back in the 80s and 90s, uh, but it, like kind of nobody does anymore. So so um, it's kind of sad how motocross has turned, to be honest with you, from my point of view, but I'm just trying to bring the old school feeling back. Well, I love that. And, and for those who are kind of struggling to get a whole grasp of, of, of who we're really speaking to here, um, somebody who was in at the ground floor of the progression of motocross as we know it today, uh, you jump onto a 79 anything, twin shock, uh, probably just getting into plastic uh, um, gas tanks. They were metal prior to that. They were aluminum tanks yeah. or steel tanks. Uh, and then same thing with, like, I'm sure you remember the days when Bigfoot, the monster truck, was legitimately just a large truck. And, and, and to progressing to what those things are today, really cool to see you come all the way through with that seeing the the ebbs and flows of those two communities and then uh, um, sort of centering your attention on uh, on a way for people to uh, to race like we heard of so many times throughout the 80s and the 90s of guys racing like goat Brecker racing like six six times a week uh, and twice on Sunday um, you know what I mean it, it was a, it's a really interesting yeah, time but... and cool for you to be able to bring that back and kind of rejuvenate the community that way well, that's kind of my goal. What's happening is back in the 80s and 90s, your no-name local pro could actually make a living racing motocross, and you had no idea who he was. That's cool. Uh, th th there was uh, contingency money, uh, sponsors paid on wins, goggles, boots, tires, gear, handlebars, grips, uh, plastic, everything. Everybody, hey, hey, you win, you get 20 bucks. You win, you get 500 bucks. And then uh, uh, products used to pay for you to, uh, if you got a magazine picture or something, they used to give you money. Um, and then, of course, like Suzuki, Yamaha, you know, Yamaha Box. Remember the word Yamaha Box? Where of Yamaha course, paid yeah. contingency. Suzuki did yeah. it as well. well all, all, yes, yeah, Suzuki had a great one. Uh, a lot of people w w uh, rode Suzuki's just because of the Suzuki payback, but right. everything's gone. Like like right now, and then and then of course when it switched over to four stroke, uh, the cost of living and racing quadrupled. Yes. Uh, and in my opinion, see, I, I'm very uh, shy about talking about two strokes because people say, okay, you're just an old fart guy that can't, you know, go our pro speed these days with these young kids, and that's why you don't like four-strokes. But really, that's not it at all. Um, I believe, I, I, I honestly think four-strokes hurt us. I, I uh, completely changed, agree. Yeah, it changed motocross. And, and I believe that the four-strokes are, I have four-strokes. I race four-strokes. So I'm not, a, I'm not against four-strokes. I have four-strokes. But, but um they are so powerful and so fast that I think they have outdone 
what our bodies can do, which is why the, um, um, the crashes are so severe. Honestly, back in the 70s and 80s, you never heard of the kind of damage that one crash consists of right now. What one crash does to you now, you did not hear of that in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, you're never dealing with jumping that far, traveling that speed, uh, not on a consistent basis anyway, nope. Right. Nobody broke both legs, an arm, and collapsed their lung all in one one crash. It was like, what? But now it's like common because because the inertia and the power and the horsepower and all that I think is just way too much, man. And and people say, oh, you know, I mean, I sound like I'm full of excuses for riding a fast bike, but really it's hurting. And from from behind the scenes point of view, from my point of view, when I when I had races going to Supercross and stuff like, I've sponsored like uh, Brock Shoemaker, Sean Collier. Right. Uh, yep. uh, Colton Egg. I mean, Colton I got Nick, a ton yep. of guys who went to. Yeah, I, I got a ton of guys who went to Supercross. I mean, Majeros, Stapleton, Chris Kiefer. Uh, everybody's rode for me at one time or another. And I remember one time, one of the Supercross riders. It might have been. It might have been Shoemaker. I don't remember. But they just cased a normal jump in Supercross, right? And like, and like, we're out for the season from one jump. Yeah. And I'm like, all the money, all the support, all the race bikes, the trucks, everything it took to put one guy into one main and in one jump in one second, everything ended. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is, this is stupid. So I, I, it was so much money lost when a guy gets hurt and they get hurt often and fast because of the way the tracks are built and the bikes, I believe. See, now I sound like somebody crying about four-stroke motocross and this and that, but I really don't believe that's it. You know what I mean? I really don't think yeah, that's no, it. Yeah, no, that's just making your case, and, and I totally agree. Um, the I find my opinion of the motocross industry, both by, on and off the bikes, is a little bit lazy. Lazy to the point where the four-strokes are so capable. You go and, like, I've heard of guys being able to jump supercross triples in first gear on, on a 250F or a 450, that should never be the case. I don't I don't care if you have a special transmission in there that makes it a long first gear. That is ridiculous to me. Um, the fact that they can basically crash in a corner, sit sit on the, like basically just seat bounce the triple right out of the corner is, is from a dead stop, yes. is ridiculous. And then honestly, uh, and this is something that I think that, that motocross is about to face, given the fact that uh, Rockstar Energy Drink is pulling their money out of motorsports and redirecting it over towards video games, which is a much more viable market for them right now, is I think we're going to lose the uh, a, a big amount of dollars from uh, energy drink companies, which we have been so uh, dependent on for a lot of years. And uh, I think those dollars from those massive companies like Monster and Red Bull and, and Rockstar have prevented the salespeople and the marketing executives within the sport of motocross or the people who sell the sport as a like from the governing bodies has like allowed them to get lazy about where they outsource how they how they how they how creative they are about adding value when they actually advertise it it it, it seriously has crippled the sport yes it has and 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 money flowing from my opinion is for some reason I believe motocross, like I like motocross. I think it's the best, most amazing, unbelievable sport in the world. When you stand on the side of a track and guys are jumping, uh, you know, uphill triples at a Glen Helen national. And you're like, this is just absolutely unhuman, but, but they're yeah. doing it. And it's Amen. just like, wow, unbelievable. You're like, Oh my God, dude, this is, it's the most amazing. But then, but then nobody supports anybody. That's the crazy part about this sport. It's like, it's like it's hard to get people to support us and and i don't know why that is and and again like why is a basketball player making that much money and we're not why is a football player making that much money and we're not i consider our athletes 10 times more of an athlete than those guys 10 times Mm -hmm. i I think it just comes down to the fact that we don't sell the sport properly i i think we 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 often like oh we're just motocross and we're not relatable and the barrier to entry is so great um but but that's a barrier that we put up for ourselves the the fact that uh uh getting into the sport of motocross is a twenty thousand dollar ask now rather than a a nine thousand dollar ask 
10, 20 years ago, um, is, is a product of, of the industry that we've sort of supported. You know what I mean? We created right. that. Like I started back in the day, I mean, a hundred years ago, I mean, everything goes up, but I mean, right now with the four stroke, I mean, a stock KTM four stroke right now is going to cost you 10 to 12 grand out the door Yep. and it's stock. And then you got to put another 10 grand in it. So basically it's very fair to say that a quality race bike is 20 grand. I don't mean, yes. I mean, I mean like a nice quality race bike. If you want it to be national competitive, it's going to cost you 20 grand. Minimum. Oh yeah. So for sure. Right. Right. I mean, my personal bike was 24 grand and I'm just a weekend fun guy. You know what I mean? So, uh, 20 grand is the bike and most guys need two bikes, one practice, one race. And sometimes they need two practice depending on the level rider there is. I mean, right. it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that could technically all go and stop within one jump. Yeah. Right. No, so I mean, yeah, like all, speaking of Colton Eck, that literally basically happened a couple of times. Right. Yeah. And then he came back and he's an amazing dude. He's killing it in, in the off-road uh, right now as we speak. He's winning he everything. Um, yeah. So he's an animal, man. He's a beast. But like that, he got landed on and it was all over and thank God he was able to come back. But you didn't hear, I mean, of course people got hurt, but nobody got hurt the way we're getting hurt now. Uh, and, and so anyway, the money is lacking. So I remember back in the day when you could, you know, like I said, you get money from uh, every aspect. Right now, you're lucky if somebody gives you free goggles or, or, or a tire at half off, or maybe even a, if you're an up-and-coming pro, they might give you free tires and stuff like that, but no money. You can't eat, drive, get a hotel room, eat dinner, and go to a race in Colorado if you don't have cash and you have all this tire, you know what I mean, or, or a free helmet or something. So yeah. So I thought, you know what, so, so this is how the whole small engine racing thing came about. A, a, a good friend of mine, an ex-AMA pro guy, his name is Michael Bierman. Uh, he, he's known as number 111, uh, Southern California, kind of like an old school, uh, old school, you know, AMA guy, fast okay. guy, you know. So he, he pressured me and, and, and kept, pushing me to get into a fun event. It's called uh, adult mini. It's where, where adults race mini bikes, right? Okay. Yeah. So I, w I went and got the best, most competitive mini bike, which was a CRF 150 R and I'm like yep. 200 and something pounds. Right. So, so I went for my first mini adult mini event and it just clicked. I'm like, Holy crap, man. I'm keeping this thing wide open, feel safe, going almost equally as fast, 10 times more fun. And I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm going like this on a 150R, what's going to happen if I buy myself a YZ125 or a 150KTM? This was a few years back. So then I went and got a, a 125 and a KTM and I started uh, racing the smaller, smaller motors and it all came back to me like... I haven't touched my four strokes in years and I'm having more fun, almost equally as competitive and having a blast and catching the people's eyes. And people are telling me, dude, you look like a little kid on that two stroke. I said, you can't, you have to look like a little kid because you can't ride it lazy. That's true. You have to throw it around. And, right. You have, you, you have to ride it five times as hard, less arm pump, but your lungs are on fire, which is, I love that. So, so, it started from adult mini racing. So then I bought a 125 and then I fell in love with a 125 all over again. And then, and then I started doing good on a 125 in my local 50 pro class. And I'm like, Hey, this, you know, how many times have you been on a 450 and a kid like Mumford passes you on an, on an 85? All the time. Right. Since I was about 15 right. years I'm, old, that's I'm been a, happening to me. Right. I'm a, I'm a Glenn Helen on a, on a $23,000, 62 horsepower KTM. And, and Mumford comes and passes me on an 85. So, so that's proof right there that you can be in a turbojet F1 motor and has nothing to do with going fast. So, so I, okay, that's fine. Kept, kept going on the 125, kept racing the local, uh, local track, local track. Well, I said, you know what? Everybody's like started bringing their 125s out. And I, you know what? Let's start a series. And it, it kind of just all came and started and, and it just natural flow. It's not like I sat down and, and organized and engineered a plan for any kind of success. It was grassroots guys want to race. Nobody's making money, put together a little list of sponsors, put in a few bucks, 
let's go back. And it just, it's just blown up all by itself now where I'm getting phone calls almost every day. When's the next race? When's the next race? And it all, it all came from basically that racing super minis and buying my first 125. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Big MX radio podcast. Please listen to this ad from Phoenix Handlebars. I'll be right back to the podcast. When we started Phoenix Handlebars only a couple of years ago, you know, we had hopes that we would develop friendships and relationships with the people who bought our bars. We thought that would be a lot cooler than being merely just a handlebar company. Moto already has a few of those. So the hope was build a brand that people could find that connection with. Um, you know, tell their stories, helps us tell our story, keeps Moto alive, keeps it fun. That's what we think is really cool about, about our sport are the stories. Writing is obviously super fun, but the stories that we tell to and from the track on the light tailgate, that's part of the, part of the excitement as well. And when each of you guys reach out to us after buying bars and tell us how like stoked you were at the quality, the packaging, whatever it might be, don't think for a second that that isn't just freaking awesome to us because we know you had options of other companies that you could have bought, companies that have won countless world championships and sponsor all the big name writers. But when you took time out of your day to hop on our website to spend your hard-earned money gave a little company that you maybe never heard of until recently your hard-earned money we think that's pretty awesome so when we got a message recently from a guy telling us just how awesome it was to receive a phoenix handlebars package that he loved the quality of the product he loved the presentation it felt like that he got something more than just bars. It wasn't like lost on us. We, we appreciate every one of those like those messages. Just wanted to say thanks, Dave. Your stuff is on its way. It's amazing, and it fulfilled a need. I think people have been asking for this for a lot of years. People love, like I said, the golden era of being able to to race these fair races or or a, a Wednesday night races and stuff like that. Guys that like uh, Rusty Holland, who made a living off of uh, off of racing races aside from the AMA Nationals and Supercrosses, uh, and it gets that much more gate drops. And I think it really helps out, like you said, guys like Brian Medeiros, who take that race craft and then they. They go take it to an outdoor national uh, where they can go make some special things happen. Um, absolutely love to hear it. And uh, like the, the Pasha Racing 125 Open is, is just a cool, cool thing. You see guys like Willie Simons Jr. showing up. Uh, Michael Lessie shows up. Uh, and and when, when people like that step up, take notice, and, uh, and show their appreciation and show up to your events, that's got to feel good. Absolutely, man. And I'm lucky enough to live in an area. And uh, I mean, that's just pure luck that I happen to be a Southern California guy. And I, I ride at tracks that are the mecca of motocross. And the people around here are the industry people. And I've literally raced pretty much once or twice a week, every week for like 30 years. So, you know, just being there all the time, it's it, it just happened to be the luck of the draw that I'm with the right people with the, you know, at the right tracks at the right time doing the right thing. So I didn't engineer that either, but, um, that, that part, I, I, you know, it's just lucky that I'm a Southern California guy, but, uh, uh, like, um, the 50 class is all ex pros. Um, and, and the, and the fun of, and the fun that we have in these 125 races, you won't know how, what a blast it is until you're there, Brad. It's, it's, everybody is having I such a good down. time that day. Oh, you got to come down, man. Every, come down for world two stroke. When, 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 uh, when is April, that? April, April 3rd. Okay. Um, 
I'm, I'm still full-time in school right now, but I, I, and I'd have to do a two-week quarantine. But if, if, the, if things change whatsoever, I, I can definitely see making a trip for that. Obviously, being in Canada yeah, uh, well, changes some things for me, but uh, we can definitely look into it. And if, if nothing else, look into uh, coming down for a different one. Because like, like you said, riding a 125, like I've got a 2004 KX 125, by far my most fun bike to ride. It it doesn't scare Absolutely. me whatsoever as far as the power. I can just wring its neck. I don't like you talk about arm pump. I also I get more arm pump from my two fifty two stroke than I do my uh, my one twenty five. It has no rolling absolutely. resistance in the corners. I absolutely love it. And the thing is for me, and I, I do race my bikes every once in a while. I don't race as much as I'd like to, but I do race every once in a while. But I'll tell you what, Pasha, when. When I when I'm racing and I'm on I'm next to a 450 and he blows my doors off I shrug my shoulders he's on a 450 he's got more horsepower this that and they go by me like I like I'm I don't take it too personally but when I go past a 450 on a KX 125 from 2004 like there there is oh, no man. there's no measurement for the, the the width of my smile in that moment and I'm sure the the level of crushed the the guy is that that I passed who probably put thirty thousand dollars into his uh, into his four fifty but uh, yeah that's that's absolutely. honestly I, I love it yeah I was absolutely I was chasing my uh, uh, three buddies and they're like uh, they're like fifty elite riders which is the top of the fifty class. And because I'm 54 myself, and okay. I could see lap after lap on the main track that all three of them, they were they, all three of them were like glued together, right? And I was the fourth rider behind them coming down Mount St. Helen and everything, and I was just watching these three buddies of mine race, and I could systematically see that all of them were getting tired. So, so at one point in the race, I said to myself, "Holy shit, I could probably beat all three of these guys in this race if I just stay at the same speed I'm going and not slow down because they're starting to get tired." And sure enough, by the end of the race, I passed all three of my buddies on on their 450s uh, uh, on a 150. So because I didn't get tired and they were exhausted, and I just one by one picked them off and passed them. So if you can, if it, it's not necessarily slower, let me just tell you that it, it's. You're oh. underpowered, but it's yeah. not slower. Motocross is not uh, a horsepower race. Uh, I had Johnny O'Mara on this podcast. Oh, this oh, this is the second time I've had him on the show, but uh, three years ago, him talking about the fact that him against the best 500 racers in the world against a bunch of other 125s passed everybody. Literally won a moto about, at the motocross the nations. Motocross the nations. That was the yes, best sir. race of history, man. And, say, and, and Steve Lampson did the same thing. Steve Lampson, I believe, he, it was nineteen ninety six. Yeah, he uh, uh, that that motocross the nation. He was passing five hundred kxs on a muddy track uphill. If you watch the race, he was, yes, he sir. was catching and passing guys going up the hill. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's the the guy behind the uh, like uh, honestly uh, like we're gonna go through a million stories here, but I I, I let Jimmy Dakotas race my KX two fifty two stroke locally in the pro class. Uh, meanwhile, I'm like a mid level B rider at best. I'm struggling in the middle of the pack in the B class. He won every moto in the A class that day by forty seconds. So safe to say. Wow. Pasha, it's not the technology holding me back. It, it's it's the it's the guy at the at the controls that's uh, um, that's that's doing the the work. And honestly, I think that uh, the resurgence and the popularity of two strokes is really uh, um, like it's breathed a, a new life into the sport. A lot of ways of people uh, just realizing how fun they can be. Whether you're just going out and practicing, whether you show up to an REM every Saturday afternoon, uh, or or anything in between, I think it's uh, um, I think it's a really fun way to race. And I'm glad that you're, uh, um, and, and that's why I want to shed light on the the, the posture racing 125 open because you're giving people an opportunity to spin the laps. And, um, and and breathing life into the sport. Not not that California needed it anymore, but you're certainly setting it on fire on top of that. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's going to bring 125s or two strokes back permanently because that would no. be like a miracle. Uh, yeah, right, sure, you know. But but uh, the guys the guys that are doing it are enjoying it. I, I'm 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 surprised to be honest with you. Maybe maybe this podcast will help. Is where are the where are the um, um, what do they call the 125s in the uh, in the uh, nationals? They called they had a name for it. Oh, the uh, 
or, so, all, yeah, the All Stars. Yeah, I'd like, like to see those come back too. Day. Those things are sweet. I, I really enjoyed that, especially because it kind of it takes that idea and moves it around the country to let like uh, give the kid in California just as much a reason to ride a 125 as the kid in Oklahoma or New York, uh, New York exactly. State, or Washington, exactly. or Millville, Minnesota, which, which is my national track of choice. Love it. If you haven't raced it, you got to come on up. Exactly. And also, let's not forget Stank Dog, who, yes, who did all this stuff on a 125. I mean, he became a, he became a little overnight a folk hero there. And, and people were, yeah, people were like standing just hearing his bike hitting those uphill triples on a 125 as he just sailed. And you can't help but just just, you know, smile and throw your punch in the air and be like, I can't believe this. The guy's doing it on a 125 and he qualifies for a national. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, made a lot of noise doing it. That was really, really cool. I think yeah, what the, you doing the character... Days? I haven't seen or heard from him. Yeah, I think he, he got hurt not too long ago. He was riding down in California for a little while there. I think, in the, I think I saw some video of him riding in Paris. He's from the Washington area, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, yeah. He might have gone back home uh, over the winter or something along those lines, but yeah, no, the the, the cartoon character that is um, Garrett Stanky and uh, combined with uh, riding a two-stroke in the Nationals is just that's just like honestly, like you as well as I know, racing outdoor Nationals is not a money-making venture and for 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 a lot of privateers, and uh, he got his money's worth uh, for a couple of summers there where he was. Uh, um, making some serious noise and, and grabbing a lot of attention uh, whilst actually most of the time not being in the points like it, it, in a in a sport where results are so valued he really proved that uh, it's it's not always uh, where you're finishing that uh, that gets the notoriety well, absolutely man the uh, Norcross actions website on Facebook uh, on the uh, REM report for the 125 race we had this last time you should see all the people talking about why would Alessi go race a 2000 dollar race uh he's like a washed up husband or whatever and that, that's absolutely incorrect man uh these people saying that don't understand that a bunch of pros are able to make more money not racing ama events there's not as much money in ama events as you think no you can go race specific events where they pay a lot more than ama there, there were there were pros who didn't race AMA, even though they were AMA pros, because they were making a living racing elsewhere, doing other things with racing. Yeah, even if it um, means not racing in the U.S., like uh, Stapo's buddy Kelly right. literally made a made he basically started his business based on on his on the money he was able to make through uh, to racing down in uh, in was it he was in Brazil. Brazil, right, right, right. Yeah. Deco went down there too. Um, right. The like, uh, also what what helps me keeps keeps me motivated is all the ex AMA pros that are all older now but are still competitively racing. I mean, all the REM guys are all ex factory guys. Uh, Kawasaki, you know, uh, sixty helmet, Dubois, all of them. Dubok, Dubok just won this last race. I mean, I mean, how cool is it? Where where Dubok is racing your race? I mean, Dubok is a, yeah. is a damn legend, man. It's Dubok, Dubok won the first I mean? race I was ever at in in Grunthal, right. Manitoba, in two thousand when he was the only guy on a four stroke. Take to, to, right. to so make the Dubok conversation go up. full circle. Yeah, so Dubok shows up on a, on a one twenty five, and Carter Dubok races one twenty five too. So he shows up, and then and then my favorite dude is uh, Kurt Nickel, of course, five hundred world champ Kurt Nickel. Kurt Nickel, yeah. Yeah, he loves these races. Uh, he couldn't make this one because he had a little uh, shoulder situation. Uh, so he's recovering from a shoulder thing. But uh, Kurt Nichols also like been my mentor, and he's been I've been I've been doing some riding sessions with Kurt. Uh, so because I've, I've been trying to fine tune my ability to be competitive against the 450s on a 125, and Kurt's been helping me with that, and I've put him back on a 150, and he's won a bunch of our 150 classes too uh, with Dubak. So cool. uh, these guys Legends. normally these guys normally don't have a chance to go to the track and race for money at all ever a a anywhere. So yeah. so now you got a guy coming to a local track racing and walking home with money. That's really cool. And like the 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 fact that you're you've been able to step up and uh, and encourage racing um, and, and just bring people together has been uh, really really uh, encouraging to see. And uh, and that's honestly why I wanted to uh, to have you on the show. Like complete like 
completely aside is the uh, the fandom and the and the fame that comes along with uh, creating one of the one of the more groundbreaking uh, films in the last uh, about twenty years of, uh, of of with motocross with Bennett's War. Um, you're 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 contributing on all facets, and I really appreciate uh, um, your. Uh, your dedication to it, your enthusiasm for it, and, and like you said, you're you're handling uh, emails and texts and phone calls every single day. So uh, this is uh, this is pretty cool that you're you're able to direct that much attention to it uh, on top of uh, what you're responsible for the other 365 days a year. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I know I'm in it, and we, we, we had a lot to do with, you know, we had the, we, we gave birth to Bennett's War, but uh, outside of me talking about a movie that I was involved with, it honestly is the best motocross movie ever made, I believe, because it's actually a movie with motocross in it. It's not a documentary. It's a movie with right. motocross in it. And and like like when I was saying, Brad, that, I, I you know, I don't want to sound like all negative and stuff, man. It's very hard to... <laughs> You know, it's hard not to offend people these days, but I don't personally don't give a shit. Uh, if, um, if, uh, if the, if the motocross community, I think everyone who rides a bike should see Bennett's War. Not because I want the movie to be successful and for us to make money. It's honestly not that. It's that it's the best motocross movie that puts motocross in a, in a major stream Hollywood film, not as a documentary like on any given Sunday or Supercross or any of those other movies, but the real deal Holyfield. And people already have second-guessed that it's not going to be a good movie and they haven't seen it or didn't go see it. Or I still haven't seen it when it's only 2 $3 on uh, Netflix. Uh, and the way, and then the, the way the movie came about is because my brother and I, with our racing history of off-road drag racing, off-road right. racing, motocross racing, uh, make a very long story short, we had... Uh, dealings with Forrest Lucas, the the owner of Lucas Oil, um, and of course everybody knows who Lucas Oil is. They run the Outdoor Nationals. So Forrest Lucas wanted to promote his oil company, basically in in, in a short term. And okay. what better way to make movies about his adventures and ventures than a two hour commercial? Basically, a movie is a two hour commercial, right? That's Essentially, yeah. So, Right. So Transformers it, uh, was so a two we, hour commercial for Chevy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we so we are doing a two hour commercial about Lucas Oil off road motocross racing. And because they own the series, we had access to the live footage at Glen Helen, uh, which is a shame that they're not at Glen Helen anymore. Don't get me started on that. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you're going to have a motocross race without Anaheim and without Glen Helen. That's just mind boggling to me. But I don't know. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. So we were able It'll to do back. it. So, so I, yeah. So uh, absolutely. So I was in charge of what, when we went into production with my brother and stuff. And I said, listen, I have to make sure this is the most realistic motocross movie ever. Um, so I did my best to keep it as real and as gritty as possible. Of, of course, there has to be an element of movie bullshit magic and fakeness a little bit. Yeah, it's Hollywood. You know, sometimes a lot, but 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 not flipping upside down, shooting a, a machine gun, and then and then continuing to ride. You know what I mean? Not not like the Fast and Furious, where the car jumps out of the building, lands on the ground, and keeps going. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, there was a scene from uh, from I believe Supercross the movie where one of the characters takes off on a four stroke, flies through the air on a two stroke, and then lands on a four stroke again. Thanks right. to uh, stuff like that. Like Rich that. Taylor, or like Rich Taylor. Rich Taylor was in our, our movie too, actually. <laughs> Rich That's Taylor awesome. Wrote a lot in our movie. Yeah, um, I love like, Rich. Or like Travis Pastrana was saying uh, that every time the motocross bikes crash in those movies, they explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I don't think I've ever seen that happen, not once. I, and that's coming from somebody who's actually been on a bike that's that's split in half. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't so, happen. So, yeah, I try to keep it as real as possible because I was too rooted into motocross with the real deal Holyfield motocross guys, and I'm like, shit, I can't be in a movie that's fake. So okay, I yeah. made it, and everybody in that movie is local. Uh, uh, local. You probably know. You probably know ninety percent of the writers in that film under the helmets. Yeah, I, I watched the. I went through the credits. I was like, I couldn't believe how many people that either I know personally or have even been on the podcast. Yes, 
Yes, Rich Taylor, both him and Junior, his son was there. Both Riches were in there. Of course. Sean Collier was there. Medeiros was there. Um, all the local pros at REM rode. Um, Oakley Lehman, he's a, a certified stuntman, he rode. Uh, there was a lot of guys, but mostly it was all the local Glen Helen pros that did all of the actions. And then and then we intertwined them with the with the Nationals. Wow. That, that, that was really cool. And then the fact that you guys were able to go to the Glen Helen National, I believe that was 2018? It, yeah, 18, right. And, and get a get a ton of really cool footage and stuff like that. Uh, I think it really put the the sport of motocross uh, on a pedestal, on display, where people could see it and, and get excited about it. I thought, uh, like, like I, I think there's a lot of people who watched. They if they even remember Supercross the movie, or they they they, they remember uh, 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 Charlie's Angels fully loaded or whatever it was, uh, and they like they immediately they just assume something to be similar, wrote it off, and that that's not a fair judgment. I, I I can personally say I enjoyed the film. If you haven't seen it, go watch it, see for yourself. And uh, 100%, man. 100%. I, I think it was really really interestingly done. Yeah, they all judged it, prejudged it, that if it's a motocross movie, it's going to be fake Hollywood bullshit and nobody went to see it. Even my own personal friends. I don't know if you know uh, an old pro uh, test rider by the name of Troy Welty. I don't know Troy. Nope. Yeah, Troy was a test rider for a bunch of magazines. Excellent okay. pro, AMA pro rider. And I'm like, Troy, I, oh, it's a motocross movie. I said, Troy, dude, I'm in it. How can you not go see a movie and you've known me like half of your life? I'm telling you, it's a good movie. So finally, when he started, he goes, yeah, man, I, I prejudged it. It was a good movie. I said, yeah, man, everybody's doing that. Everybody's thinking it's like another super cost or something, but it's not. It, it, it. And, then, and then, of course, I get on the other flip side of the coin where I'm at the track and a family walks up to me and says, hey, Ben, it's war. We've seen the movie 19 times. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Every time we get bored or we get rained out or, you know, something will pop the movie in. I'm like, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't, I don't get too many people that tell me that they listen to my podcast on a rainy day, but like, so, so that that would be a, a pretty cool experience. Of like when 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 they can't moto, they get their fix through through watching a, a movie that you basically uh, exactly uh, wanted to see completed, and and you're really proud of. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope your podcast gets around and people actually uh, you know take note to it and go go see the movie and help us both out. Absolutely. Hey, if if the Big Iron X Radio faithful are uh, are a fan of of, of my my guests and and, uh, and take my uh, recommendation seriously at all, they'll do exactly that. Um, in fact, if uh, if anybody uh, if anybody listening right now put uh, they, they can uh, put it on their story that they're watching uh, Bennett's War, they'll be entered to win. Uh, a set of handlebars from uh, from Phoenix handlebars. And we're going to throw that out right now. Uh, go watch Bennett's War. Put it on your story that you're watching it. Get other people, uh, other eyeballs on it to watch it. And we're going to give away a free set of handlebars thanks to Jason Gerald as well as uh, Phoenix handlebars. How about that? That's awesome, dude. Good marketing. Quick. Awesome. I like it. Right, right, yeah, uh, that just, was a pull the trigger on it right then and there. Uh, Pasha, you, you'd mentioned that you're getting calls, texts, phone, uh, you're, you're getting probably getting faxes at some point of when the next uh, uh, 125 open race is gonna be. I think you kind of hinted at it earlier in the podcast, but I'll give you an opportunity now to plug in uh, uh, one of your upcoming events. Okay, so what I think right now what we're gonna do is uh, in the riders meeting, I had everybody there, so I kind of, talked on the speaker and, and, and I said, listen, guys, what do you think if we have a precursor to the World Two Stroke on March 20th at REM on the main track? Okay. Uh, so uh, Lori Wilson at uh, Glen Helen, Lori is like the head lady over there. Lori Wilson said that they're going to they're gonna probably let us race the main track on March 20th, which would be the precursor warm-up for the same track, the World Two Stroke. Uh, on uh, on Saturday, March 20th, and I said, I, I asked the guys. I said, guys, what if we just use March 20th as a 100% uh, pro payback, but no other purse, and we take the purse and we double the purse for World Two Stroke, and everybody agreed that that was a good idea. So I think what's going to happen is we're just going to have a your basic pro payback, 100% uh, pro payback uh, for March 20th. 
And then my goal is to have a, a $10,000 purse for the 125 class for World Two Stroke, which would actually make the 125 class, oh, there's a car going by, uh, make the 125 class pay more than the 250 class. That's cool. That's a, the, the premier That's class that. is the 125. Yeah, that would be that would be. That's <laughs> kind of funny, man. I'm kinda, I like that. I'm kind of mafia. I'm kind of I'm kind of mafia. I'm forcing my way uh, up, but yeah, the the uh, cool. in that way, the pro class on a 250, I think pays 2700 or 2750 or something. Okay. Uh, and then our 125 pro class will pay 3000. That's cool. I really like that. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, and, so and that's probably reason enough for. Was, for both Maderos and uh, Stapo to, uh, to 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 get the the knobby shop uh, uh, van dust dust off the box van and drive on down to uh, the REM track, I think that's probably going to happen. Absolutely, man. Yep. So I hope. <laughs> yeah, these guys are counted on on a daily basis. Stapo, the whole motocross action crew, Josh Moseman, uh, 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 Josh Fout, all those guys, uh, all the motocross action crew, all the test riders from Daryl Eklund to uh, all of them. Uh, and then, of course, the local pros, and then the pros like Mike Alessi that fly in from Florida. And um, I just wish that this, uh, you know, maybe your podcast can get to the right ears and get the uh, get the all star riders to come, whoever whoever is the all star guys to come out to the World Two Stroke this year. Uh, with the Corona thing being lightened up a little bit, it's a little bit easier to travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we'll have a better. Last year's Two Stroke World was phenomenal. I think we got to get Jam and Josh for Rees at this race. I don't know why they're not here already. I don't know well, why I, they haven't I, He's, he's been racing uh, West Coast uh, Supercross. He got back, I think, Monday or something along those lines uh, of this week. I think that uh, put some time on a 125, Josh. Might have to, if he's listening right now, or I send him a text massage uh, to get him out to that race because he's the kid that uh, that took down uh, Villapoto uh, once upon a time. Russ, I remember that. I think there's a footage of that on YouTube, isn't it? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he. Uh, when he, it was yeah. at, pa- at, at, pa- at Paula. Formerly yeah, known as Fox Racer. Like, where's Villapoto? Uh, you know what? I'd love to invite Emig. Um, I was at Emig's racing at, uh, Loretta's this year on a 125. So he, you should text Emig. Yes. Right. I was uh, I was riding Glen Helen uh, on my 150, and here comes this guy just blistering by me on a white. Bike. And I'm like, what the heck? And he comes blistering by me and shoves it into the corner. I'm like, I gotta read his back. I gotta see who that was. Man, it's Emig. I'm like, okay, that's 47. okay. And I'm like, holy shit, he's on a he's on a Husky 125. And I'm like, where is he at? How? Why is he not coming out here, dicing it up with Alessi uh, and all the other guys? Yeah, he should. No, I, he's actually he's racing Loretta's this year, so that that's gonna be really exciting. Uh, I personally don't have. Uh, actually, you know what? I do have Jeff Emig's number, so I will text him. And uh, so there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I, he should I, come out to. He should come out to the World Two Stroke. You know, if he doesn't want to do the mm-hmm. basic local pro payback deal at REM on Saturday, which he should anyway, because it's on yeah. the main track and it's a good warm up, and he knows everybody there anyway. Uh, but but uh, actually, I run Emig uh, Emig Griffs. I love the Emig Griffs. There you go. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Um, yeah, so so if Emig and Villapoto and all the all the rest of the uh, younger folks in the uh, in the uh, All Stars would show up, you know, I don't know what they're all waiting for. Like like we got these races going. Come on, guys, let's go race and have a fun time. That's sweet, man. Oh, I I really appreciate you putting in the time to uh, to create these types of events, give these guys a, a place to showcase and uh, and just like speak the good word of of two strokes everywhere. If and honestly, put put this guy like I guarantee you probably have this guy's phone number or you know how to get his phone number. Uh, Pingry is always beating the drum to be to be one twenty five guy. Uh, he should be at that event. If anybody you know, should like, be at that I'm, I'm event, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Uh, do you think Pingree hasn't heard of this race yet? How come he hasn't contacted me? I don't know. I like. I I have to uh, send him a direct message on Instagram. That is, is it, a guy is I don't have his phone number. But. Is it is it possible that he that he hasn't heard yet? I mean, that's not. No, possible. there's no. There's literally no possible way. Right, right, right. Uh, but, so why has he not called me and said, "Let's join forces"? I, I, see, this uh, is what I mean, man. This is what I mean by. But the that's, that's the motocross industry, Doesn't support Pasha. itself. 
That's what people, I just said. The motocross community doesn't support yeah, itself. The, it's the, the motocross community does not believe in the rising tides float all boats thing. It says like if there's another boat, uh, knock it out of the water so that I can be the only boat in this shallow right, pond. Right. <laughs> that is absolutely not cool, man. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, but no, that, that's uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, think, things are moving in the right direction. I'm glad to hear that you're continuing to put on awesome events. And, and I'd love to be able to catch up with you again sometime uh, just to, to continue to promote uh, some of the stuff you guys got going on. Uh, if there are people that are that they don't know that there's races going on in, in Southern California, maybe you're listening from, uh, from Arizona right now. Maybe you're listening from Northern California. Um, we got listeners from all over. Uh, follow Pasha Racing, get involved, get get uh, um, get informed about these races that are, are breathing life into uh, the the Southern motocross uh, community, especially on two strokes, especially on the one twenty fives. Pasha, this has been yep. an awesome time on the podcast. I really appreciate you making the time. Awesome, man. Thanks. And you, you can call me, get hold of me anytime you want. Absolutely, and I I, 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 I certainly look to do so. Don't you hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Well, there you have it. My interview with Tony Pantera, or AKA Pasha, from Pasha Racing. I hope that you go ahead and follow him on Instagram. Fantastic follow, really informative, and uh, just show the passion that guy has for the, the two wheels and motocross in general. He's been putting on amazing events lately, uh, giving back to the sport, uh, making it possible for people to make money uh, racing their motorcycle, and that's just cool. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you did, I hope that you'll uh, pay the fee by telling a like-minded individual about it or sharing it on your story. Any little bit helps to get more eyeballs and ears on the Big MX Radio podcast. I hope that you're following both the Big MX Radio Instagram as well as myself, Brad Gebhart88 on Instagram. And uh, yeah, uh, give me a follow. Let me know that you followed me and I'd love to uh, follow you guys back and uh, grow the community, uh, chit chat back and forth. You guys can always make requests if you wanna hear a certain type of interview or you want more info on something, don't be afraid to ask. I'll always do my best effort to, uh, to get that done. Hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast and you'll be on to the next show soon. Thanks.